Welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast, providing you with insightful commentary and developments in the world of healthcare leadership. To learn more, visit ACHE.org. And without further ado, your host. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Chathan Sathya. He is a pediatric general and thoracic surgeon and the director of Northwell Health Gun Violence Prevention Center. He led the formation of the National Gun Violence Prevention Learning Collaborative for Hospitals and Health Systems, in which hospitals can learn about gun violence prevention from experts, develop best practices, and implement strategies to prevent firearm injuries. More than 300 participants and hospitals across 34 states have joined. Dr. Sathia received $1.4 million from the National Institutes of Health to study gun violence prevention and implement a first-of-its-kind protocol to universally screen among those at risk of firearm injury. The grant is part of Northwell Health's We Ask Everyone, Firearm Safety is a Health Issue research study, which aims to shift the paradigm to view gun violence as a public health issue. He completed medical school and general surgery training at the University of Toronto, followed by a pediatric surgery fellowship at Northwestern Medicine Chicago. He also holds a master's degree in clinical epidemiology from the University of Toronto, in addition to fellowships in global journalism and public health. Dr. Sathia will be co-presenting the session, It Takes a Village, Partnering for Success to Prevent Gun Violence at ACHE's 2023 Congress on Healthcare Leadership, which takes place March 20th through the 23rd in Chicago. He and a panel will talk about how gun violence is a public health issue and the ways health systems can work with their local communities to address it. Register for Congress today at ACHE.org slash Congress. Dr. Sathia, with that introduction, welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast. Thank you, Eric, for having me. All right, let's get right into it. Uh, we want to hear a little bit more of your background in this area. So what led you toward focusing on gun violence prevention as part of your healthcare career? So Eric, you know, I started off my career as a um, adult general surgeon. And, you know, I've actually trained in Toronto at the University of Toronto and did my undergraduate degree at McGill University in Montreal. And I came to Chicago for my pediatric surgery fellowship at uh, Lurie Children's Hospital Northwestern. And I still remember my first day on the job. Um, I had to treat a six-month-old baby with a bullet wound. Now, I had treated a number of patients with gun injuries in Toronto, you know, despite what folks think, gun violence is actually rampant in Canada and cities like Toronto. But I had never actually had to treat infants or babies with bullet wounds. And this experience in Chicago was not the first, right? This was something I experienced week after week and something that I've actually seen here uh, many times in New York as well, where in 2022, we treated at our children's hospital 32 children with gun injuries, uh, which was a 600% increase from the year before. So that first baby that I saw was a six-month-old. This was in Chicago, first day on the job, six-month-old coming in, little girl, had a bullet wound, like I said, through and through the abdomen and pelvis. And I had both my fingers on the bullet wounds, blood gushing out. Um, as, as many of you who are listening have probably experienced uh, in your practices as well. And you can just imagine, right, as a father, you know, seeing the, what the parents were going through, seeing this inf- infant, um, you know, struggling in pain with their eyes rolling to the back of their head. You know, it was a horrific experience. And this baby, we were able to save her life, but she remains paralyzed to this day, really speaking to the devastating disability that these bullets cause when they don't kill. And like I said, I saw similar cases week after week. Um, And so that is really what invigorated me to get involved in this public health issue. And I would say that as physicians and practitioners, you know, how can we not be involved? This is the number one cause of death among kids. 
Yeah. And just listening, that is a tough image. You know, our listeners, we, you know, the way you describe that, you know, it is so heartbreaking. And we mentioned in your bio, you received a grant from the NIH to study gun violence prevention, implement a protocol to screen for those at risk of fire image in, in injury. And I guess that's where we'd love to, for you to go a little more in depth in depth on like, what are you learning from that research? Yeah. So, you know, one of the issues um, in the gun violence world is that we often view this topic as political and polarizing. Sure. But our stance really, uh, at, you know, here at Northwell and as a healthcare collective has been that this is a public health issue, right? This is no different than smoking cessation or HIV mitigation or COVID-19. This is a public health issue because it directly affects the safety of our communities and Americans. And so with that, we have to understand that we need to start talking about this as a public health issue and a healthcare issue. So that's really at its essence what the research is about. And I will talk about why in a second. There are a number of evidence-informed strategies that we know work from the healthcare standpoint. So for example, if physicians asked all patients questions around firearm injury risk, such as questions about firearm access, as well as violence risk, and then offered interventions like firearm safety counseling, gun locks, right? We know that we can then promote safe behavior. So you can encourage a patient to actually safely store their weapon, which means locked, unloaded, and separate from ammunition. That can save a life. That can reduce the risk of a mass shooting, of an unintentional injury, or a suicide. Um, or if, they, if a patient screens positive for violence, you can offer them the community violence intervention resources that they need to help break that cycle of violence. The issue is that only a minority of healthcare providers or hospitals actually implement these types of screenings as part of their usual care anywhere in the country. And that number hasn't really changed much in the last decade. It has gotten better for sure with recent momentum over the last couple of years, but it's nowhere near 100%. We are not taught in medical school to ask these questions, right? We're not taught in residency uh, or, or in any realm of, of healthcare education to, to screen for fire imagery risk, no different than we screen for exercise, uh, you know, heart, heart disease risk factors or smoking. That's what we're looking to change with this research. So what we're doing with this NIH-funded study is we're the first system to ask every single patient who comes into our emergency, into our emergency departments questions about fire imagery risk. And as I mentioned, questions about access and violence risk, and then offering the interventions that I talked about, along with a limited efficacy trial to actually measure behavior outcomes and to determine the effectiveness. <clears throat> Not only is this a research study to look at how effective that counseling can be, but we're also changing the way we think about this. We're normalizing the way we talk about guns. We are, through this process, making it part of usual care for every person in the hospital to ask their patients these questions. And that's what we're really trying to change. Just that I'm curious, what's the response like from a patient in the emergency room when they're asked about gun safety, if they're not, if they're there for something totally unrelated? Yeah, you know, um, that's a great question. That's probably one of the, the the commonest questions we get. You know, a patient walks in with a, ur with a urinary tract infection right. or be <laughs> belly pain and they get these questions. I would say that, remember, these que these patients already get questions screening them for substance use, um, uh, behavioral health issues, suicidality, um, and other health risk factors as part of their regular care. So if you come in, you're going to get those questions no matter what you come in with. The questions I'm talking about are now added to that. So mm -hmm. in general when it's brought up the right way, most patients and families are actually quite receptive to this. That's what we're seeing. Of course, there are families who are going to say, hey, why are you asking me these questions? You know, what's behind this? But there's a way to have that conversation. And as long as you frame this from a safety lens, right, 
um, not a gun ownership, not taking away your weapons, right. but really a safety lens. A lot of people are receptive to it. And, and you'd be surprised at how many families are thankful and surprised at the dangers associated with having an unlocked weapon in the household. You already mentioned, you know, when you bring it up, the conversation can often turn political. So how can healthcare leaders navigate some of that divisiveness while still putting patient safety top of mind? Yeah, I, I think first and foremost, it comes with really respecting both viewpoints, right? Or not not even both, I would say all viewpoints on this uh, on this subject. Um, it's not a them versus us situation, right? A lot of folks have legitimate concerns. Um, you know, people in America tend to own weapons either for hunting or for safety. Um, but we know that there's a lot of education we can provide because owning a weapon actually does not make you safer. It increases the the risk of homicide, suicide within the household. However, you can't just, you know, tell patients that, hey, what you're feeling isn't um, a legitimate feeling here. So you you work with the patients. Um, and again, you you are able to, I, I think from, as a practitioner and from the healthcare lens, if you frame this as a, hey, I want to keep your family safe. This is to keep your family safe, your kids safe that at the end of the day, families are extremely receptive to that, right? We have to remember that the majority of gun owners in America are for responsible gun ownership. They don't want these weapons, right, to be used for um, unnecessary killing and, and, and so on. So I, I think depending on how you frame that conversation, and if, if you're directly asked, right, this is a political issue, I think that's an opportunity to really uh, rebuke that and say that it is not, um, this is not about taking our guns away. This is just about storing it safely. Now, another side of this conversation in recent years, gun violence has occurred in healthcare settings. So putting additional stress here on an already taxed workforce, we've talked a lot about that on this podcast. Have these events changed the approach at all to addressing the issue? Yeah, so that is 100% correct. I mean, I think workplace safety is a prime concern right now. For, for many hospitals, um, employees, and leaders because of exactly what you just mentioned. We are seeing that uptick in hospital incidents, and we are seeing um, employees scared, um, you know, that this could happen to them. Uh, we are seeing more and more hospitals installing metal detectors and having armed security guards, which, again, we don't know what the evidence behind these is. Um, so it's really opening up a, a, a purview into what we should be studying. I will say that one of the most understudied areas of gun violence and gun violence, remember, as a whole is very understudied, underfunded, and there's a lot of questions and gaps in knowledge when it comes to almost all elements of gun violence. Workplace safety and knowing what really keeps us safe and how we should tackle that is one of the most understudied areas. You know, we don't even have a good sense of how many hospital incidents actually occur across the country or what or what folks are doing to mitigate that. So it has been a wake up call and that we need to figure that out um, as a strategy for 2023. Well, you shared your story with us where this all started um, with that six month old. And we know emergency room workers uh, in some areas will interact regularly with gunshot victims and their families. Um, so aside from having that conversation about gun safety, what tools can healthcare workers use to to really help break that cycle of gun violence you were talking about? Yeah, and you bring up a great point, Eric. You know, when we talk about gun violence, there are three big elements I like to break it down into. You know, this is firearm suicide, unintentional injury, right, where a weapon is not stored safely and someone uses that weapon by accident to shoot someone else. And then there's homicide. 
Um, each of them is so different with such different root causes and interventions that we can't really lump them together. So as I mentioned, the safety conversation is important, particularly with respect to the suicide and unintentional element, uh, right? Um, and then with respect to the homicide and the violence, gun violence element, there are a number of community resources that can be offered. Um, there is something known as a hospital-based violence intervention program, which is an opportunity to offer patients who are at risk of violence, you know, a, a credible messengers at point of care. So these are usually case managers, community workers who have actually been affected by gun violence themselves. They can meet patients in the emergency department and start de-escalation right then and there and start the process of case management and the linkage with what we call community violence intervention organizations, which have actually been shown um, in evidence-based studies so far to actually reduce risk of repeat firearm violence. Um, so that, that's really the linkage that can be offered. So that there are a number of resources you can give patients. You know, you brought up some great ways to begin having the conversation. And, you know, you touched on this a little bit. What advice do you have for health systems that are trying to address this specific critical issue amidst all of those other competing priorities that, you know, leadership is taking on? Yeah, you know, I um, when you think about the fact that firearms are the leading cause of death among kids, I would say that it is a responsibility of institutions to take this on. Um, you know, how many hospitals and health systems out there have centers for heart disease prevention yeah. and, and cancer prevention? But, you know, you, you, you see very few that are actually prioritizing gun violence. And that's why it, it does make me extremely proud to work at a system where the CEO has made this a system level priority. Um, I'm seeing a number of other systems, Kaiser and others doing the same thing. And I think that's the really exciting part of this is that folks are starting to understand that this is a public health issue, something that is very much within our lane and something that, you know, you need institutional support to move the needle forward on because this is about culture change, right? You know, this is about having institutions putting resources, not only behind the community groups that are working on this, but their own providers who are working on this because, you know, to, to tackle such a polarized issue, you can't do it alone. It's going to take all of us. And that, that that's really the crux of what an institution can do is I would say, just start by, actually prioritizing this, you know, prioritize dialogue on gun violence, make it okay to talk about this among your employees, show employees that, you know, this is your, you know, one of your next five-year goals is to really contribute to tackling gun violence within your own communities. This has been a fantastic conversation. And one last question for you and, you know, kind of ending on a, on a positive note here, you know, are you seeing whether locally or nationally, some, some promising signs that you're excited about to really curb gun violence in the short term here? Absolutely. So I, I, I would say that, you know, it goes without saying the uh, firearm safety counseling that I mentioned, you know, the ability for healthcare workers to actually impact firearm safety among our patients is a huge one. There's more and more evidence coming out supporting that. Violence intervention groups, like I said, this is really, these groups are doing frontline work in providing mentoring opportunities, employment opportunities to help break the cycle of violence, stop gang violence, and so on. So a lot of promise there. And you're seeing hundreds of millions of dollars being put towards implementing those types of programs. So we're really excited to see how that pans out. And of course, evaluation there is going to be critical. Um, and then I would say that, you know, largely, if you look at the sentiment nationally, policy is critical here. You know, again, it's not a political issue, but policy is a key part of public health. And when you look at the momentum, right, the fact that we had the first bipartisan gun safety legislation in 30 years in 2022 passed, you know, the momentum is there. People are starting to realize um, 
And, and I think slowly we're starting to reframe this issue so that it doesn't become a Second Amendment thing, but it becomes a public health one. And what goes hand in hand with that is common sense policy. All right. You've been listening to Dr. Chathan Sathia. He is a pediatric surgeon and director of Northwell Health Gun Violence Prevention Center. Uh, doctor, such a pleasure. Thank you again for sharing um, all of that information, sharing your story and some great advice for our listeners. Thank you, Eric. Reminder, you can hear Dr. Sathia at ACHE's 2023 Congress on Healthcare Leadership, which takes place March 20th through the 23rd in Chicago. To learn more and to register, you can visit ACHE.org slash Congress. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Healthcare Executive Podcast from ACHE. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. This has been the Healthcare Executive Podcast, brought to you by the American College of Healthcare Executives. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. And for more information, find us online at ache.org.